0: Welcome to The Prophetic Mentor, hosted by Richard B. Simmons. Delving deep into the supernatural realm, our weekly episodes unravel the mysteries of the end times, guide you on a journey of restoration, and illuminate the path of prophetic mentorship tailored for the non-religious Christian community with a prophetic call. We bridge the gap between casual listeners and devout seekers. Whether you're looking to understand your prophetic calling or seeking guidance in these unprecedented times, the Prophetic Mentor is here every Monday, lighting the way in Jesus' name. Well, hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 1. Uh, the Prophetic Mentor, Richard the Lionheart here with you and uh, excited to be back. So welcome, dear listeners, to another episode of The Prophetic Mentor. Today, we're going to dive deep into a topic that many grapple with, um, understanding God's limitless grace. From the doubts that plague us to the many uh, difficulties or weights of our past, we often wonder if we are truly deserving of God's love and forgiveness. Let's address some common misconceptions. The first one, I hear so many times and I've actually, as many people, have probably dealt with in my own life and yours. I've sinned too much To be forgiven. The depth of our sins can sometimes feel overwhelming. However, the story of redemption throughout the Bible showcases God's immense capacity for forgiveness. Now, think for a minute of King David. King David, he committed adultery. ...and murder, yet was described as a man after God's own heart. This demonstrates that God's grace is available to everyone, irrespective of the depth of their transgressions. The belief that one's sins are beyond the point of forgiveness is deeply embedded in in the psyche of many... The feeling can emanate from a variety of sources. Whether they be personal uh, guilt, uh, societal judgments, or a misrepresentation of um, religious teachings. Another aspect that we can look at is the nature of sin. Sin at its core is a deviation... From God's will. And remember God's will is what? It's perfect will. Amen? It's a testament to our own human frailties. We're frail people. Amen? And our propensity to make choices that might not align with our spiritual best interest. Everyone irrespective of their status, their beliefs, or their backgrounds, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's written right here in the Word of God in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Let's look at King David. We'll call this a case study, if you will, a short one. One of the most telling examples of God's boundless capacity for forgiveness is the story of King David. Despite being chosen by God and anointed as king, King David made some serious, grave mistakes, as many of us have. His affair with Bathsheba and the subsequent um, you know, orchestration of the murder of her husband, uh, named Uriah, are among the most significant of these transgressions. Yet, even after these grave sins and mistakes, when confronted by the prophet Nathan, David's genuine repentance was met with God's forgiveness. Let me repeat that David's genuine repentance was met. With God's forgiveness. The story is not a license for us to go and do wrong, but it's a powerful testament to God's unwavering mercy. Now, let's take that a step deeper and talk about the quality of repentance. Repentance is more than just feeling guilty. It's a genuine turn from sin, and it's a return to God. Let me repeat that. It's a genuine turning from sin and a return to God. It's an acknowledgement of wrongdoing and a heartfelt desire to amend one's ways God, with His infinite understanding, perceives the sincerity of our hearts when we approach Him with true remorse. Now, let's take it to the cross. The cross is the ultimate symbol of redemption. Amen? The crucifixion of Jesus Christ, our Savior, symbolizes the lengths to which God went to ensure that every sin, no matter how severe, could be forgiven. Christ's sacrifice was for all sins of humanity, past, present, and future. This very act is an embodiment of God's love and his desire for reconciliation with his creation me and you so let's take a look at God's nature now God is described as being slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love We find that in the book of Psalm, uh, Psalm 103, verse 8. You can find that. His very nature is one of mercy and grace. It's essential to comprehend that God doesn't delight in punishment, but rather in the return of a lost soul. Let me repeat that. It's essential to comprehend that God doesn't delight in punishment, but rejoices, rejoices in the return of a lost soul. You can read more on that in the book of Luke, chapter 15, verse 7. So, the feeling of being beyond forgiveness is a reflection of our limited human perspective. When we measure our misdeeds against God, those are sins falling short, we measure those misdeeds against God's limitless grace, we find that His arms remain open, waiting for our return. Every individual regardless of the depth of their sins, has an opportunity for redemption. In the eyes of God, that's what he's looking for. As we repent, amen, we have the opportunity for redemption in the eyes of God. It's a journey that begins with genuine repentance, family. And a desire to rekindle one's relationship with God, who is divine. Second um, common thing that that comes up a lot is um, God couldn't possibly love someone like me. Yep, I've said the same thing in my own life. God couldn't possibly love someone like me. One's, well, our, our self-worth can be heavily influenced by societal standards, personal failures, or honestly, traumas. Yet, God's love is consistent. He created each individual with intent and purpose. Let me repeat that. He created each of us with intent and purpose. The parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, illustrates God's joy when one of his children returns to him. Irrespective of their past. Irrespective of their failures. He rejoices. So the notion that one is unworthy of divine love. Is an age old sentiment. Deeply rooted in human insecurities. um, Our feelings of inadequacy. And the experiences of conditional love in earthly relationships. So let's go deeper into this misconception. Human love versus divine love. The foundation of our understanding of love is often based on human relationships, which tend to be quite fouled These relationships, while meaningful, are inherently flawed and extremely conditional. They can be influenced by personal biases, by judgments, and the experiences that we've had. Contrarily, God's love is unconditional. Praise God. Let me repeat that. God's love is unconditional. It's not based on our achievements, our appearance, our social status. God's love is a reflection of His innate nature, which is consistently loving and merciful. take a minute and just take that in consistently loving and merciful okay so let's let's look at the inherent value of creation every individual is crafted in the image Of God. Think about that for just a minute. God created each of us in his image. Amen. We find that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. This means that our inherent value doesn't stem from worldly accolades, but from our divine origin. God sees beyond our mistakes. He sees beyond our flaws. He sees beyond our past. He sees the essence of who we truly are. So, with that, let's look at the parable of the lost sheep. In the the book of Luke, in, in the Gospels, in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, Jesus shares the parable of the lost sheep. The shepherd, despite having 99 other sheep, goes out in search of the one that is lost. When he finds the lost sheep, he rejoices. The parable underscores the immense value God places on each individual. He actively seeks and rejoices in the return of even one lost soul. The ultimate act of love we find in Jesus. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ is the epitome of God's love for humanity. A scripture that everyone has read and known, John chapter 3 verse 16, tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, shall not perish, but have eternal life. The act was not reserved for just the righteous alone, but for every person, irrespective of their past or present state. So, God's love, God's love is active. God's love isn't just a passive emotion, it's an active force. Throughout history, God has reached out. He has guided, protected, and nurtured his people. Even when they strayed away. His love is not just in words, but his love is in actions. So, let's take a... Let's take a step here and look at the deceiver's tactics. You know, the old lying enemy, the adversary. These feelings of unworthiness... ...can also stem from negative influences. Both internally and externally. The adversary, the enemy... Often uses tactics of doubt, shame, guilt, and even people to distance individuals from the love of God. Recognizing these tactics and combating them with the truth of God's Word is essential and crucial. People you may trust. The enemy can use anybody. Amen. God's word is the only infallible source of prophecy. I encourage you. Combat. The lies of the enemy. With the truth of God's word. So. Wrapping up the second point. The belief that. God couldn't possibly love someone like me is a total misconception that fails to grasp the depth and the breadth of divine love. God's love is truly unconditional, relentless, and all-encompassing. Every individual, regardless of their past, their mistakes or their self perceived inadequacies is deeply and unconditionally loved by God. Embracing this love is transformative and is the first step toward healing and spiritual growth. Hallelujah. So the third uh, point we're going to discuss in this podcast today is I need to earn God's love and forgiveness. The cultural emphasis on merit can sometimes blur our understanding of God's grace. The parable of the workers in the vineyard that we find in Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 through 16, highlights that God's generosity isn't based on our own efforts, but on His nature. Grab what I just said. It's not based on our own efforts, but on His nature. This belief is deeply ingrained in many, due to many societal Um, constructs that often equate worth and love. Think about that. They try to bring an equality to worth and love. But what happens? It's brought in with performance and merit. However, when it comes to divine love and grace, this understanding requires a recalibration. So, part of this recalibration, let's dive into this topic deeper and break these things down. The first thing that we're going to uh, recalibrate on is the cultural influence. From a young age, many are taught the principles of mediocrity you work hard and you receive rewards while this principle is value in specific context like education or employment it can unintentionally bleed into our understanding of spiritual matters the danger lies in viewing our relationship with God as a transactional one where good behavior is traded for love and blessings The second thing we're going to look at is grace defined. Grace, by definition, is the unmerited favor of God. It's not something we can earn or buy. It's a gift, a free gift. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, We see an uh, emphasis that's placed on this, saying, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Thank you, Jesus. Grace. We need his grace. So let's switch back to this real quick and talk about the parable of the prodigal son. A little earlier in the podcast, we talked about Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And Jesus is speaking in this parable. And it beautifully captures God's unconditional love. The younger son squanders his inheritance, and returns home, expecting, at best, to be treated as a servant. Instead, his father runs to him, embracing him and celebrating his return. This very illustration... That the father's love wasn't contingent upon the son earning it back, but it was freely given despite his mistakes. The father's love family wasn't contingent upon the son earning it back, but it was freely given despite his mistakes. Wow. So that takes us into the next portion of this, and that's the danger of legalism. Some of you are probably saying, legalism? Yes, it's got a piece of this. The belief that one needs to earn God's love can lead to legalism. Now, what is that? It's a strict adherence to laws and rituals. Believing these actions alone will secure God's favor. While righteous deeds are commendable and encouraged, they are the fruit of a loving relationship with God, not the means to establish one. So, let's look at the consistent character of God now. Notice I said consistent character of God. God's character doesn't change based on our actions. Let me repeat that. God's character does not change based on our actions. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 6, God is saying, For I am the Lord. I change not. This immutability means that God's love for us remains consistent, irrespective of our deeds, our failures, our shortcomings. Thank you, Jesus. So let's talk about understanding worth. One's worth in the eyes of God is intrinsic, stemming from being his creation and not from actions or achievements. While God delights in our good deeds, when they are expressions of our love for him, they aren't prerequisites family for his love amen so the notion that we need to earn God's love and forgiveness is a total misinterpretation of his nature and the essence of grace God's love is steadfast and unconditional Our deeds, while valuable in living a life aligned with his will, are not the currency for his affection. It's imperative to understand and internalize this truth as it forms the foundation for a genuine and profound relationship with God who is divine. Hallelujah. Okay, the fourth thing that I hear a lot is some sins are unforgivable. This misconception often stems from a deep-rooted place of guilt. However, the sacrifice of our Savior Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary was comprehensive covering all sins his words it is finished indicate the completeness of his final atonement the idea that certain sins might be too grievous for forgiveness can be a significant barrier for many in the relationship with God. This belief family can arise from a mix of societal judgments, personal guilt, and misinterpretations of scriptural passages. Yes, this one I've experienced as well. So let's dig deeper into this. Let's go on an exploration. The unforgivable sin. Let's talk about that. This concept of the unforgivable sin is often cited from the Gospels. Where Jesus is speaking of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Specifically, you can find this in Matthew chapter 12... Verses thirty one and thirty two. However, this is not referring to one to a one off act, but rather a continuous and deliberate rejection. Let me repeat that it's not a one off act, but a continuous and deliberate rejection of God's grace and the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. It's a willful, persistent hardening of one's heart against God. So God has a desire for us and that is for repentance. Amen. God's overarching desire is for reconciliation with his creation. And. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9, we find um, the expression that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. His very nature is inclined towards mercy and restoration. Amen. With that said, we need to jump and take a look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul's testimony. The Apostle Paul, before his conversation, before his conversation, before his conversion, there was a conversation with Jesus on the Damascus Road there. So the Apostle Paul, before his conversion, he was Saul. He was a very fierce uh, persecutor of Christians and a complicit uh, actor in the death of Stephen who was uh, the first Christian martyr, by the way. Yet, even when he was not beyond the reach of God's grace, remember, he's out killing Christians, but he's not beyond the reach of God's grace. His life serves as a testament to the fact that no one, irrespective of their past, is beyond the transformative power of God's forgiveness. No one. Hallelujah. So, looking at Christ's sacrifice, that's called the crucifixion. The crucifixion wasn't just a moment in history. It was a cosmic event with eternal implications. When Jesus declared, it is finished, in the book of John chapter 19 verse 30, he meant that the debt of sin had been paid in full. Every sin, no matter how grievous, was covered by his sacrifice. Every sin, family, past, present, and future, no matter how grievous, was covered by his sacrifice. You know, on my journey, I've encountered many people that haven't seen it that way, and you will too. And your job is not to get a hardened heart toward anybody, but to understand the truth. Amen? It is finished. Every sin, no matter how grievous, was covered by His sacrifice. Hallelujah. So God's mercy versus humans that like to judge. Societal views on certain sins can heavily influence our perceptions. While some sins might have more significant consequences in a societal way or cause more visible harm, it's crucial to differentiate between human judgments and God's mercy. All sins... Separate us from God. I need to make that very clear. All sins separate us from God. It's very important to understand that. But don't lose hope. Through repentance and faith. All can be reconciled through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now the Holy Spirit is used in this process. And the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. Amen? He plays a role in bringing conviction. So feelings of guilt and conviction are not meant to drive us away from God, but rather to draw us nearer to God in a place of repentance. The Holy Spirit convicts us to lead us to recognition and confession not to push us into despair. Amen? Family, the belief that some sins are unforgivable is a total misconception when viewed in light of the entirety of the gospel messages. Amen? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The invitation For forgiveness and restoration is open to all. Irrespective of the nature or magnitude of the sin or sins that have been committed, the key lies in genuine repentance and a heartfelt return to God who is always ready to receive, restore, and renew. All right, the next thing that I hear quite a bit is that God's grace comes with limits, that God's grace has limits. It's easy to take a look at that and try to think, well, God's grace has limits, and to try to ascribe those human limitations. Back to him. But God's ways are not our ways. And I'm going to tell you, we really need to understand that. I've seen people in the past that have completely ignored the Holy Spirit and done it their own way. But God's ways are not our ways, Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 really brings that into focus. The story of Jonah showcases that even when humans are reluctant God's grace extends even to those we might think are undeserving. This is very important to understand. God's grace extends even to those we might think are undeserving. Yes, that's you too. The notion that there might be a boundary or a limit to God's grace is a reflection of our human tendency to project our finite understanding onto the infinite nature of God to fully grasp the boundlessness of God's grace it is essential for us to dive very deep and that's what we're going to do now Grace, remember, grace is the unmerited favor and love of God toward humanity. It is God granting us blessings and forgiveness that, quite frankly, we don't deserve and could never earn on our own. The very nature of grace being unmerited implies its expansiveness. Let's talk about the inexhaustible nature of God in this. Everything about God is infinite. Everything. His love, his power, his knowledge... And yes, his grace. His grace, his grace, his grace. It's infinite. So to imply a limit to his grace is to misunderstand his essence. The book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, states. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion, actually compassions, his compassions never fell. They are new every morning. Catch that with me, family. Limitations three twenty-two and 23. Because of the Lord's great love. whose the Lord's great love? We are not consumed. Why are we not consumed? Because of the Lord's great love. Why? Because his compassion never fails. His compassion is new every morning, family. This underscores the endless renewal of God's mercies. Contrary to what people may say to you, the word of God is truth. Amen. God will never fail you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's take a look at at a parable here. Let's let's look at the parable of uh, the workers in the vineyard in uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Jesus tells a parable where laborers are hired at different times But they're all paid the same wage at the end of the day. This story illustrates the generosity of God's grace in our life. Emphasizing that it's not tied to human standards of fairness or measure. So the the question comes down many times to, does grace cover everything? Does it cover all? Well, the book of Romans chapter 5 verses 20 and 21 state that where sin is increased, grace increased all the more. No matter how deep the pit of sin, God's grace is deeper still. It doesn't run out when faced with greater sin. Instead, it abounds even more. Let me repeat this. God's grace covers all. Spend some time in in the book of Romans chapter 5 verses 20 and 21 and just meditate on that. Take it in. Hallelujah. So let's look at a misunderstanding. Uh, The misunderstanding of consequences as limits. While God's grace is boundless it's critically important and very essential to understand and differentiate between receiving grace and facing the earthly consequences for our actions. Consequences are not indications of the absence of grace, but are often the result of the natural order or the repercussions of our choices. So our choices are important, family. Amen? What about presumption? Let's guard against presumption. Understanding the boundlessness of God's grace should not lead us to presumption or basically a a casual attitude towards sin. While God's grace is infinite, our time on earth is not. The call is always for genuine repentance and a turning back to God. Amen. The idea that God's grace has limits is totally a misconception that's rooted in our human perspective. When we truly grasp the nature of God and the breadth of His love, we then recognize that His grace is as limitless as He is. The realization is not a license now For complacency. But it's a profound invitation. To live. In freedom. And joy. Of his boundless love and mercy. Hallelujah. Next let's dig into. Another thought that people have many times. And it's. God saves others, but I'm the exception. This comes down to personal shame, family. Personal shame can lead to this belief. Yet, throughout the Bible, God consistently reaches out to the marginalized, to the rejected, to the despised. From Rahab that was the prostitute to the thief on the cross God's grace is for everyone. This belief reflects a deep seated sense of unworthiness and personal shame that many grapple with. The idea that I'm the exception can be a crippling thought. But let's explore why this is a profound misunderstanding of God's grace and love. So, God's offer in this, in John chapter 3 verse 16, is universal. Amen. It's for everyone. God so loved the world. Amen. One of the most widely recognized verses in the New Testament proclaims this, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever, who, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Belief is a key here, amen? Thank you, Lord. So the term whoever is all-encompassing. It doesn't exclude based on past sins, current struggles, or future failures. We should never strive to go fell, but we should also accept the fact that he has us covered. Amen? Let's look at the importance here. Um, there's the, let's look at another parable, and that's the parable of the lost sheep. Jesus is telling a story through this parable in the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, about a shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep in the open country there to go after the one lost sheep until he finds it. The parable makes an emphasis on God's relentlessness, his relentlessness, and his relentless love for each individual, each of us, demonstrating that no one is considered an exception in his eyes. Society may write you off, church leaders may write you off, Best friends may write you off, family may write you off, but the Lord will not. Amen? The Lord will not. So let's look at personal shame and then let's take that with God's perspective. Our sense of being the exception often stems from personal shame or societal judgment, judgment we've Taken on from people, amen, from society. Yet, God sees beyond our sins and mistakes, recognizing the inherent worth in each person that He created. Amen? That's powerful. So, let's go back to the cross to Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And if we had to summarize it, we can say that Christ's sacrifice is sufficient. Our sense of being the exception often stems from personal shame. Just remember that. As we move forward, just remember that. But remember that Christ's sacrifice is more than sufficient. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was sufficient to cover the sins of the entire world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 states, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for our not only for our sins but also for the sins of the whole world so this emphasizes that the all encompassing scope of Christ's redemption amen hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus So what about transformation in the Bible? We see testimonies all over the place, throughout the Bible. And even today, testimonies surrounding us. There are stories of individuals who might have seen themselves as exceptions. I felt that way myself due to their past. But the Apostle Paul, the woman at the well, Mary Magdalene, and many, many others might have once thought of themselves as beyond redemption, yet God's grace reached each of them, transforming their lives profoundly. We need to remember that God's love is incredibly personal. It's crucial to understand that God's love is incredibly and intensely personal. He knows each person intimately. In fact, down to the number of hairs on our heads. Matthew chapter 10 verse 30 This profound knowledge means that God's love for each person is so incredibly specific, so deep, and so unwavering. So, guys, the belief that God saves others but I'm the exception is honestly a reflection of personal insecurities rather than the nature of God's love and grace. God's offer of salvation and grace is open to all. By understanding and internalizing this, individuals can move from a place of doubt and self-condemnation to a space of acceptance, peace, and And profound gratitude for God's limitless love. All right, and the last one we're going to discuss today, point seven, is my past defines my relationship with God. I hear that a lot too. Our past might inform our experiences, yes. But it does not dictate our future in Christ. The Apostle Paul, who we talked about earlier, was previously Saul, a persecutor of Christians, later become one of the most influential figures in Christian history. Proving that our past does not confine us in God's eyes. You've probably heard this saying, It's not how you start, but rather how you finish. Amen? It's not how you start, but how you finish. Hallelujah. So, this notion that our past indiscretions and mistakes, sins, Become the primary lens through which God views us in a source of deep spiritual unrest is felt by many. This belief often hinders the full acceptance of God's grace. So let's take a minute and deconstruct this misconception. We need to look at the paradigm of the new creation. The Apostle Paul presents a revolutionary truth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where he's saying that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. This emphasizes that in Christ, our past is not only forgiven, but also eclipsed by a new identity. And that brings us into God's love, Amen. And not just any love. This is the love of God. This is a omni essence. While while. God is fully aware of our past. He doesn't use it to define our relationship with him. He's not like us. In Psalm 103 verse 12, it is written, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God's love transcends our history, focusing on our hearts and our future with Him. As we've talked about several times in this podcast today, the parable of the prodigal son. I just want to go revisit this one more time. In Luke 15, uh, chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. This parable narrates the story of a son who abandons his family. To take it deeper, he squanders his inheritance, but then decides to return home. So instead of reprimanding him or bringing up his past, the father embraces him with unconditional love, celebrating his return. This parable, this story, captures the essence of how God views our past in relation to our decision to return to him. Amen? You can always come back in through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, with that heart of the Father and his acceptance, we need to come and look at redemption Not condemnation. Redemption. Not condemnation. Amen? Think about that for just a second. So many are used to pouring out condemnation. But God pours out his redemption. John chapter 3 verse 17 states... For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Jesus' mission was never about holding our past against us, but it was about offering a path of redemption. Hallelujah. The role of past experiences, while our past doesn't define our relationship with God, our experiences, both good and bad, can shape our testimony and the ways in which we relate to others. Sometimes the very struggle we overcome through God's grace can become powerful testimonies to His redeeming love. The breaking of the chains of guilt are important. The The adversary often uses guilt to chain individuals to their past. I know this. It happened to me. And I'm sure it's happened to many of you. What does this do? What does this guilt, chaining individuals to their past, do? It prevents them from fully... Ex- Thank you for tuning in to The Prophetic Mentor, I'm Richard B. Simmons. Remember, a new episode drops every Monday, so mark your calendars. If you're seeking deeper knowledge and guidance, visit our free training and mentorship program at eaglesarise.online. For a profound dive into the journey of prophetic guidance, pick up a copy of my latest book, Mantles Past, The Legacy of Prophetic Mentorship, available on Amazon. Stay inspired and continue your journey toward prophetic enlightenment in Jesus' name. We'll see you next week. God bless you.